Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. Now, here's Pastor Ryan Weems. If you got a Bible, Romans 12. Romans 12. So excited about this three-week series. This is what we do. Romans 12, and I'm going to start in verse 9, and I'm going to get right into it. Romans 12, verse 9. As you're turning there, uh, Romans and Romans 12 in particular, uh, I really like this chapter in the Bible. I've actually preached uh, different aspects on it, even to the staff and elders recently, just sharing some leadership thoughts. But in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, being led by the Holy Spirit, he really gives us a snapshot of what a healthy, thriving church should look like. Um, he's, he tells us really what we're about to read, what it should look like, but also what a healthy church should sound like. And uh, so it's what it's looked like, what it should sound like. And, and what we're about to read, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. What we're about to read is what I call heavenly harmony. And that's the title of the message, heavenly harmony. And that's what I want for us is what God wants for us. Uh, because when a church has heavenly harmony, it's synchronized. It's working together in rhythm, in tandem, and it impacts people all around them. It's, it's heavenly harmony, and that's the goal for every church. So Romans 12, verse 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. If we would just do that, we would do a lot better. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor. I love that word. When's the last time you said fervor? Fervor, uh, serving the Lord. This is a great life verse for a lot of people. Verse 12, a great one to memorize. It's very easy, but very powerful. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope, faithful, or patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. That ain't easy. That ain't easy. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony. That's a heavenly harmony. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is heavenly harmony, and I want this for you. God wants this for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the vision that you've given us. And and we've got a heart for South Asia and to reach those unreached people groups. And, and of course, we've got a heart here for Houston and what you're doing here. And God, there's exciting days to come. There's things that we are so pumped about of, of what you're going to do in us and through us here locally, but of course, also across the world. So we pray, God, that you'd continue to guide us, that we would hear from heaven to hear from you. And I pray, God, that, that Romans 12 would become our blueprint here at this church that God, we would look and sound like you want us to look and sound like. Uh, it's easy to read those verses. They sound good, they feel good, but they're a lot harder to live out. And so I pray, God, that you'd help us to operate always in heavenly harmony. God, that we would uh, partner together, that we would synchronize together, that we'd be in rhythm together, that we'd impact many people for the gospel. God, we love you. And I pray, God, for, for areas that we need to grow, we would grow. I pray for areas, God, that we would need to make an adjustment, that we would make an adjustment. And I pray, God, you'd encourage us and inspire us over the next couple of weeks to look more like you want us to look and to sound more like you want us to sound. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly harmony, heavenly harmony. So here in Romans 12, again, this is the goal for every church.
goal for our church, and really it's the culture, not a slide for this, but you can write this down. When it comes to church life, um, it should be a culture of family and a culture where it's home. So family and home. And here's the reality, and you know this, um, but the reality is that sometimes when it comes to your family, sometimes when it comes to your home, things can get messy. Can we be real about that? Don't act like your, your family, your home is perfect, okay? It's, it's not. It may look perfect on social media, but that ain't real life. In real life, family and homes, they can get messy. And I, I know that's definitely true in our house, the Weems Casa. Um, now, we work uh, hard to take care of our home, our family. Uh, we keep it clean and organized. You've been over, you know that. We're minimalists, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but here's the reality. When you got kids... Anybody hearing me today? I don't care how old your kids are. When you got kids, things get, get messy. I, I just clean that up and it's a mess again. But God bless the mess. Uh, there's marks on walls if you got kids in your house. And there's way too much stuff. Uh, there's always that hidden closet or that attic space that is jam-packed and you open it at your own. <laughs> you got to be careful, right? There's always that. Uh, there's things that got to be worked on even if your home or your apartment complex is pretty new or there's paint that's chipped there's imperfections every house why because they're lived in why because there's people there and pro tip for everyone you probably already knew this but I, I learned yet again with our house that WD-40 does wonders that stuff must have been blessed by priests some other time. I mean, man, like, like, like crazy. I actually researched it. That, that re Y'all know why it's called WD-40? It's water displacement, which I didn't even know that's what it does. Um, and I don't even know what that means also, just being honest. <laughs> um, and then the 40 is, it took them 40 times to figure out the formula. And so WD-40, but it is miraculous. It solved a problem. My mom and dad, we had an issue with our door. And I was like, it's the lock. It's the lock. My mom or dad like, no, just try something. I'm like, no, I, I know the answer, mom and dad. It, it's not, it's the lock. Like, just try it. And I tried it. And guess what? It fixed it perfectly. <laughs> They've been homeowners, right? Y'all been homeowners a lot longer than my wife and I have. But, but it's just amazing what that will do. And then, of course, duct tape is awesome as well. Um, great home, home, um, home gifts there for people people but but physical home it can be messy of course there's emotional messes that you got to deal with and and here's what I'm trying to just remind us all at just kind of lighthearted is that when it comes to your family and home it's never going to be picture perfect and so many of us are striving for that but that's that that's that's unattainable it's not reality and so stop striving for that and here here's the, here's the, here's the truth homes and family can be messy but they are also meaningful. And this is true of us, Christ's covenant. And so again, Paul writes this beautiful passage and being led by the Holy Spirit, he reminds us of some things of what the church should look like and sound like. So I got a couple things for you today and I think you're gonna be encouraged and inspired. But in Romans 12, here's the first point. We read this and hopefully you're starting to see this, but number one, Paul reminds us that we are the church, not a country club. Maybe we need to put that up somewhere on a wall because that is so important, such a great reminder that we are the church. And I'm talking about people, that we are the church, not a country club. This thing called Christ's covenant was never meant to be perfect, never. We are the church, not a country club. And so I wanna go with that analogy for a few moments, a country club versus church, because there's a big difference. And if we're not careful, we can start to outsiders look more like a country club and less like the church. 
So I wrote down, uh, just using this analogy, some differences between a country club and church. You don't need to write these down, just kind of think about it. But you see, at a country club, only the elite get in. But at the church, everyone's welcome. At the country club, the focus is my needs. What can you do for me? But at the church, it's how can I serve someone else? At the country club, it's all about comfort and cozy. But at the church, it's all about calling. The country club, it's a getaway. But the church is home. The country club is limited to four walls and a golf course. But the church is mobile and active. The church isn't a building. It's a people. I've got a few more. The country club is full of judgment. But the church should be full of grace. The country club has special plaques and tables and parking spaces. But the church is all about those who are overlooked, disregarded, and forgotten. The country club has perks and privileges, but the church is built on sacrifice. This church, we are standing on the shoulders of those that came before us. We are the church, not some country club, okay? And you need to be reminded of this. I need to be reminded of this. Here's how Jesus puts it all throughout scripture, that you and I, we are the bride of Christ, that we are the body of of Christ, that we partner with the Lord to see more lost people come home. And I've said this many times, I'm gonna say it again, but as long as I'm the senior pastor here, this church will never be a museum for saints, but remain a hospital for the hurting. It's not, hey, you can't touch that. Hey, you can't be here. Hey, did you, did you sign up for that? Hey, no, no, no. This is a place where you are welcome just as you are. If you're hurting, welcome to church because we're all hurting in need of the healer and his name is Jesus. That's who we are. It's, it's, it's what we do. And Paul really just gives us some very practical insights. This is what we read. He says this in the verses that you should love sincerely. That means to love in a real way, not a fake way, to be devoted to one another in love. You don't know if you're devoted until you have a little disagreeance, by the way. Oh, I'm devoted you know, to my company or I'm, I'm devoted to the leadership above me. Yeah, you are when you agree with everything they say and do, but, but, but are you devoted when they say, and I'm not saying anything immoral, I'm just saying different than what you think or you would have done. That's when you know devotion. You don't know if you're devoted on your wedding day or your wedding night. Hint, hint, you're thinking about some other things, okay? It's when everything is great and you're about to go somewhere fancy and you're about to have incredible food, right? Like, 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 like it's easy to feel devoted on wedding day or on your wedding night. It's a lot harder when you've been married 10 years, 15 years. Some of have been married for 50 years. That's devotion. And that's the kind of life we should have for each other. Paul says it this way, that we should share with people. This, this ain't scripture, but, but Barney said, sharing is caring, right? Like you, you gotta share to care. L- live in harmony, that's a heavenly harmony. That's not 100% uniformity. We're gonna always have a little bit of differences, but when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Jesus, we're gonna be in harmony together, heavenly harmony, that we should honor one another. I keep toying with it and maybe it's gonna happen this year at the end or the beginning of next year, I don't know, but we maybe need to do a whole series on honor because we have gotten so far removed from that and we gotta get back to biblical honor. This is who we are, this is what we do. It's not always perfect, it will be messy, but it's worth it. It will be messy, 
but it's meaningful. All right, here's another reminder from Romans 12 about who we are and what we do. Number two, we are passionate, not passive. We, we, we are passionate, not passive. This is us, church. Passionate for Jesus. Again, I'm all about the stroves. I'm all about celebrating last night. I'm all about getting loud and proud. But I've made a commitment to God, a commitment to you, a commitment to my family that I will never praise anything or anyone more than I do Jesus. And, and people all the time say, well, that's just how you're wired, pastor. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like you drank coffee while you were asleep. Like, do you, are you always like this? Ask my wife, yes. I'm always pumped up for Jesus, I am. And, and I'm a passionate person in general. I, 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 I get that some of you maybe are like, I don't know, but you can always, always, always be passionate about Jesus. I make this joke all the time, but you watching the game last night, and most of you are watching, even if you're not a sports fan, but you watched the game last night, and there are grown men that would say they are not passionate, but yet they got their shirt off with a big H-Town painted on their chest, and, and, and they don't have the body that should be showing off, okay? Let's just be honest. <laughs> Amen, that's right. But, like, like, but they say they're not passionate. The truth is they're passionate about something. You're passionate about, so how do you know if I'm, your passion is, it's where your focus is, it's where your time is spent, where your money goes, right? It's what you're thinking about uh, consistently. Like, like you're, you're passionate about something. It should always be most in for, like most in Jesus. You should get the highest praise. So passionate for Jesus, passionate for people, passionate for the church. People say unbiblical stuff all the time. Well, I love Jesus, but hate the church. That's you saying, I love Jesus, but hate his bride. You would never say that to anybody, right? Don't say that to me. I love you, but hate your wife. That's how you get slapped. You know, that ain't gonna work. I know you should turn the other cheek, but, but God's still working on me, okay? Like, you don't say that. It don't make any sense. And so you're passionate for Jesus. You're passionate for his church. Well, it's because the church has messed up some things. Yeah, it's not perfect. Guess what? Neither are you. Neither are you, neither am I. Passionate for Jesus, passionate for people, passionate for the church. Romans 12, 11, this is what we read, said it this way. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This tells us something. To never be lacking in zeal means that we can lack zeal. And maybe you're in that place today. But also it's saying, keep your spiritual fervor. If you gotta keep it, that means you can lose it. It's like those keys, like your wallet. Maybe not like your phone, because it's kind of attached to us at this point, right? Like, like it's right there on your pillow when you're sleeping at night, you know? It's like, but everything else, right? Like you can lose some things, and you can lose your passion. And he's talking to the church here. He's saying it this way. The, the longer you're in this game, the longer you're walking with Jesus, the easier it is to lose your passion for him and the bride. And so I want to encourage you today. In services and outside of services, your attitude matters. It matters. Like you don't need to have a frown on your face 24-7. Your demeanor matters. Your countenance, like it matters. Isabel and I are working with our kids so hard on this. They are going to grow up grateful. We don't have everything, but we are so blessed compared to the world. And so, so as a kid, it's, it's, it's just our sin nature. Instead of being grateful for the one thing, we get upset about the things we don't have. And like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, I got, like we were going ornament shopping yesterday. Yeah, we went ornament shopping. I know. It's like, it, anybody got, you got to wait till after Thanksgiving for Christmas, anybody? Now you're scared to raise your hand because I'm coming against it. <laughs> Some of y'all are like that and that's cool. But we Christmas all year long, baby. And uh, like, like, so we went, we went ornament shopping at Hobby Lobby. Everything's 60% off. Thank you, Jesus. 
and we got five ornaments, like, or four ornaments, I think. Four, five? I lose track of our kids sometimes. Four, because it was three kids that we have plus our dog now got an ornament. Y'all pray for me, goodness gracious. But it was 60% off, so it's good. But we're there and they don't want one ornament, they want five ornaments. And I'm like, let's be grateful for the one. And so we're working on our kids, but, but it's not just a kid problem. Some of us walk around life looking like we've been sucking on a lemon all day. Like, like smile. Some, sometimes you gotta smile so much that it hurts a little bit, you know? That's what we tell our kids. We're like, smile, and they don't want to, and they'll show like two teeth, you know? And then eventually, no, you better smile. And I gotta make them laugh, do something, you know, dumb. And then they're like, you know, all you gotta do is talk about like, you know, um, pee or poop with kids. And then they'll just laugh and smile and uh, pro tip. But anyways, it's so, like, like, like I, here's what we tell our kids. Hey, are you upset? Because they're frowning. No. What's wrong? Nothing. Well, tell your face then, because your face is telling a different story. It's like, you got to smile more. You got to be joyful more. I know we got a million things wrong, but Jesus is still on the throne. He's got our backs. Our eternity will be spent in paradise with him. You ain't doing as bad as you think you're doing. And so we got to be joyful. We got to be passionate. I'm not saying fake it till you make it. I'm saying remember who your God is. If he is for you, who can be against you? Your attitude matters. Your countenance matters. Your demeanor, it, it matters. And so when we serve in the church, when we're interacting with people, like turn that frown upside down, baby, and be joyful. It's contagious. Everybody else is frowning. It shouldn't be God's people. We should be the happiest people on planet earth. And it's, it's attractive. Hey, what do you have that I don't have? This is who we're called to be. When we serve, when we lead, when we interact, we're joyful. There's a skip in our step. We don't have to do this. We get to do this the bible makes it clear that we've got to be careful especially those of us that grew up in church that have been saved for a long time because maybe just maybe and the holy spirit's convicting you right now you've lost some passion for the lord and what used to be joyful and exciting you couldn't wait to crack open your bible like you couldn't wait to get to god's house you were one of those crazy people showing up early you know like if you saw trash in God's house, you're like, no, no, not, not, not in my Lord's house. And you're picking up that trash. Like, I, I want to take us back for a moment as I get ready to close here in a little bit. I want to take us back, especially those that have been saved for a while, like myself. I want to take us back to when you were first saved. Some of y'all, it was last week. I get that. But for those that have been saved for a while, maybe even decades, go back in your mind right now for when you were first saved, when you had that passion for Jesus and his people. I remember in my life, uh, when I gave my life to Jesus, and again, I grew up in church, but I was a teenager at youth camp, and, and, and God messed me up in a good way, like wrecked my life in a good way. I was at the altar, which is the front of that campgrounds. It's the same campgrounds we take our teenagers to, which, by the way, parents, send your teenagers to camp. If you can't afford it, let us know. We do scholarships. It's a game changer. It changed my life. When we do VBS, like your kids should be at all this stuff. Well, they don't want to go. Are they the boss or are you the boss? Send them. They will thank you. I thank my mom and dad for making sure I went to all those different things. But I remember I used camp and 
I got wrecked by God. And, and y'all think I'm passionate now? You better watch out for just saved, Ryan. I was coming for you. I was. I, I, like for real, y'all laughing. I'm serious. I was coming for you. I, I, I wore a necklace that said, ask me about Jesus. I would take my Bible everywhere just hoping that somebody, like, I took it to my public school, hoping somebody would ask me. About, I mean, I was all in. Somebody took the Lord's name in vain when I went to Aggie Land before I went to Bible college. I got on that person and we weren't friends anymore. But I was like, bro, you don't take the Lord's name in vain. Y'all watch out for just saved Ryan. I remember worship services, like the beginning of this one. And if you can remember back to when you were first saved, it was like this for you. But I remember when you first get saved and worship's about to start, oh, you're doing some pre-service stretches, just getting ready to go. I remember throughout the songs, and back in the day, worship wasn't 15 minutes, you know, 17 minutes. It was at least an hour in the Pentecostal church back in the day. It was like a night of worship every single Sunday morning. And I remember during the songs that I was doing all the different hand motions. I was like, I'm getting it all in, baby. Like I would hold the baby. I would do my fishes this big. I would go full touchdown. I mean, I'd do it all. I would do the kneeler, you know, where you're really like, oh yeah. Like I, I did it all. And it wasn't for show. A lot of times I'd be in the back corner, but I was just, I'm like, I'm connecting with God. Whatever I got to do to get service, you know, like my hands are up. I'm going for it. I, I would do the Holy Ghost hop. I still like that one. Ooh, the Holy, when you got real crazy, you do a little bit of this. Don't stand beside me. I'm gonna cut you, you know? So it's just like, like I used to do it all. And again, I wasn't in the front, I wasn't trying to like put on a show. I don't need you all doing that next week, okay? I just, like, it wasn't like that. But I was in the back and man, God was, I was, I, I don't cry a lot, but I will cry with stuff like that. And, and I remember, you gotta go back. I'm trying to get you back. I remember when your favorite song, the worship team would do it. And you're like, oh, it's about to be on now. Like, you could just tell by the first little, doo -doo -doo, you know, you just knew that it was a song. And, and I remember, was it Worthy as a Lamb by Carrie Joe, Pastor Tony, that, that old song? But is that the song, Worthy as a Lamb? Yeah. And so, <laughs> and I remember when that song would come on, that song would be about 20 minutes in my church. You know, you kept going back into the bridge, back into the bridge, back into the bridge. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And I'm just telling you, I remember the passion. And some of you are going back now. Even my Baptist friends in this church, you remember those services? Your pastor didn't talk about them back then, but the Holy Ghost was moving. Nobody wanted to acknowledge it. You know what I'm talking about? Those moments where God was really doing something. I didn't grow up in a pastor's home and, and I didn't even know I was gonna be a pastor until I was already in college. That's why I started at Texas A&M and I wasn't running from it. I just didn't know. But, I, but Jesus did something in my life. And I remember sitting in seats like you are today and I had my notebook book out. And again, I wasn't training to be a pastor, but I was acting like I was in Bible college every Sunday morning. And I had notebook after notebook. And, and it was like Bible college in the top right corner. I'd write the pastor's full name, you know, pastor so-and-so. Uh, if I knew their middle initial, it was in there too. I would date it. I'd, I'd, I'm serious. I'd put the title of the message. I mean, all that, that kind of stuff. And, and I was taking notes after, I mean, I was so excited. I remember at the end of those services, the altar call, well, there was a chance to come to the front and we had altar calls, I mean, altar calls. And so every time that the pastor would give an altar call, man, I would come on down to the front. And even if I didn't feel like it hit me all the way, I was like, I want some more Jesus. Would you pray for me? And, and, and that was back in the day where you get slain in the spirit and, and we had modesty blankets and all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember, and I'm not saying this is good, but I just remember growing up at one of those revival services that I'd come down as a, as a young person and, and, and I don't know if I got slain in the spirit or they pushed me over. I don't know what happened, but I fell back and then I got back up and then I went back around again and came back down to the front. And I'm serious, like I was all in. 
I wasn't judging stuff. I just wanted Jesus. I remember first reading my Bible, like reading it, reading it. And I had this before I knew I was called to be a pastor. So some of you are like, that's your reading. No, 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 it's way before that. And I had pens and highlighters. Y'all remember when we used to use paper Bibles, like paper, like physical, we would kill the trees to make the Bibles. Y'all remember that? It wasn't digital. And I had paper and I had pen and highlighters. I've written in the margins. My mom gave me her fire Bible. It said Janet Weems on the cover. I marked out Janet. Now it just got a blank spot in Weems. True story. And man, I was all in. It's committed. It's passionate. I led my friends to the Lord. I didn't care about it. If they asked me a question, I didn't know the answer. I just said, Jesus has changed my life. I remember, that was a guy I was playing tennis with. I didn't even like playing tennis with him. But I'm like, man, if that's what I gotta do to have an hour afterwards to, to, to witness to him, and it took me a whole bunch of tennis matches, but eventually I led him to the Lord. I'm just saying, we gotta get back to where we were most passionate about Jesus. He has not changed, we have. He's still just as good as he was when you first got saved. And some of y'all, it's like, we get our fire insurance, you know, well, I'm not gonna go to hell, you know, give my life to Jesus. There is a reason why you don't teleport to heaven right away. God's got a mission for us. It's, it's what we do, it's, it's who we are. Is God stirring you up right now? Like, like, this is purposeful, this is meaningful. It is not picture perfect, but guess what? It was never meant to be that way. So Paul, being led by the Holy Spirit, he makes it so clear, so, so practical. He gives us handles. He says, hey, hey, we're not a country club. This is not a members-only kind of a thing. This is not, hey, the people who give the most get the best seat and the best spot. This is not like sponsorships on everything. That's not your seat. or your, That's not how it works here. This is everybody's welcome, that we love people because Jesus loves us, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But not only are we the church, the people of God, we're a movement, we're not limited to this building, but also we have to get back to where we're passionate for Jesus and his church. That's all we're thinking about, we're praying about, that we're, like, we're hook, line, and sinker, I'm in this thing. And when we get back to that, that's when we get in heavenly harmony. That's when we look like and sound like the church that we're called to be. And I see that in you, I see that in me, and we're not there yet, but we're gonna get there. This is what we do. Would you bow your head with me, close your eyes. Jesus, I pray right now and I feel that you are stirring your people. And I pray God that you help us to get back to the church you've called us to be, what we do and why we do it. And I pray God that we be reminded that this is not some museum for saints. This is not some country club. This is not some members only place experience. This is a hospital. Jesus, you said yourself, you didn't come for the well person, the healthy person, you came for the sick. You came to heal and set free. And you've done that for so many of us, but the longer that we're in the game, it's easy to forget. So take us back to our first love, to remember who we are, the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ not a country club. It's never meant to, it's supposed to look perfect. It's messy, but it's meaningful. I pray God that you'd help us to get our passion back. We're all in, we're, we're, we're committed to you and your church. We're gonna be excited about other stuff and there's hobby, none of that's bad, but we will always be most excited about you.
because your kingdom will last. It's eternal. And so I pray, God, we get back being passionate, not passive, to keep our passion. I just feel this right now in this service. Some of you lost your passion. You've lost it. And the Lord's looking at you right now, and he ain't mad at you. He loves you. He's saying, I know you've lost your passion, but I'll give it to you fresh today. He'll give it back to you. Passion for his name. So I pray for those that have lost their passion. God, they are in the right place. It's not a coincidence that they're here. And I pray for those in the room and those online that have lost their passion. I pray, God, that you would deposit fresh passion, fresh faith. Remind them, yeah, they got, they got 99 problems. God, I get it. But Jesus, you are still on the throne. Those that have given their life to you, their future is eternity with you in heaven. They've got so much to be joyful for, to be thankful for. God, I pray that you would give them right now passion back. Break their heart for the lost. Not hype, but just move in them and through them. I pray, God, that as they open up their word this week and as they set aside some time to pray, it doesn't have to even be a long time. It could be when they pull into school this next week. It could be when they pull in to the office if they're going in, just to take even five minutes, turn on some worship music, read a couple of verses. I pray, God, that as they set aside some time in their busy schedules, as they make it a priority, I pray, God, that you would speak fresh revelation. I pray, God, they'd hear from heaven. I pray, God, even on Sundays and so many that serve on Wednesdays in our youth ministry and so many that lead small groups here, I pray, God, that during those times that you would just pour out your passion. God, we thank you for what you're doing, but we know that you want to do more. And I pray lastly for anybody underneath the sound of my voice that's far from you, I pray today would be their day of salvation. I pray today they would surrender their life to you, just like I did at that camp years and years ago. If you're here today and you're far from the Lord, you've got an opportunity, a chance. He won't make you get saved. It's your choice. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, you can do that right now. And here's how. It's another um, chapter in Romans. Romans chapter 10. So two chapters back from what we studied today. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So God has made it very clear how you give your life to him. So right now you can do that, confession and belief. And I'll just coach you on some things you can say to the Lord, but it's all about the intent of your heart. But right now you can whisper to him. It's important that you do say these things. It doesn't have to be a big shout though, it can just be a whisper. Whisper this to the Lord if you wanna give your life to him. Jesus, I confess that you are God. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. So Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender all. Would you forgive me of all my sin? Make me new, clean me up from the inside out. I've made a mess of my life, that's just the truth. And I need you to heal me, to restore me, to set me free and to give me a new beginning. God, I thank you for those that are confessing and putting their belief in you right now. 
Thank you, God, that they are literally going from death to life on a path towards hell, now on a path towards you in heaven. Thank you, God, for those that you're saving just like you've saved me. I give you glory and I give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. And for those that committed your life to Christ, we want to help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net. There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at ChristCoveHouston. 